1: hello everyone welcome in how today goes we're gonna be... it? oh yeah go ahead luke how goes Say it hello. how's it going <laughs> so today we're gonna be talking about season three episodes five six and seven the corruption well, arc isn't so... it just two it's just two episodes not three is it i thought it was three no it's two. Oh, it's two okay yeah. So yeah, episodes said. 5 and 6 of season 3 go. of Clone Wars, the corruption arc. So there's going to be a lot that's going to be happening on Mandalore and it's a lot of stuff that happens, so we're going to be very excited to talk about it today. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it.
2: Never was made it as Obi-Wan's battle, But you might make it as mine.
3: And we're back. Damn. Bam. Time to bring in the corky expert, as we like to call her. We, we the, the, the one that knows Mandalore the best. Julia. Welcome in, Julia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that a quirky crease uh card? Let's go.
4: it's a it's a it's a, a tops card um from their from taste. their living set. So this is the case it came in, um, and so I have like a nice version, and then I have well, I bought multiple, so I have a couple different ones. There is one in my wallet because that's where you keep pictures of your kids. You put them in your in your wallet. Um, This is the only piece of like quirky merch I think exists. So um,
1: really, you you better believe that's the only thing they have. It's it well, yeah, because (laughs) I mean, like he
4: like he's in. I can, um, so he's in like,
3: um,
1: oh, we
3: got, we got robo Julia, but she warned us that well, she'll be right back. We're, so we're, um, we'll be
1: good. So today is pretty interesting. So coming off of this recent episode of chapter five, of book of Boba Fett, it's a lot of stuff that involves, uh, with Mandalore, no spoilers, mm-hmm. but there's stuff that involves a Mandalore and it's yes. kind of funny because we're talking about Mandalore today. And it's very two different situations. Um, so quickly I just want to hear what your thoughts are on last night's episode without giving any spoilers away, Julia. Okay.
4: Do I still sound like a robot? You're so go,
1: no, you're good. you good. So good. Okay. You're good. So
4: yeah, I um without without spoilers, I will say that um I'm very hopeful for the Mandalorian season three in terms of getting some canon lore about mandalore um Mm -hmm. because uh, we don't have a lot of concrete information about the history um the recent history anything really um i will say right now i'm pretty emotionally devastated it was beautifully done like it was incredibly like the level of like i feel like it was like cinematic level of Mm -hmm. like the filmmaking in that sequence um it was great Mm -hmm. but it was it was a lot and i think I, we need to like talk about the implications of that, um, and so I I thought it was really well done. But like emotionally, I'm like having a difficult time with like um, the implications of it. So I'm excited about like the future in terms of Din's exploration of mm-hmm. what it means to be a Mandalorian, um, and I'm hoping that will include some some more history and him kind of learning the more recent um, history that he wasn't told the truth of um, in the Children of the Watch. So.
1: Yeah, We're and I'm glad we got a little bit of a like a a refreshment on the history of Mandalore because I know mm-hmm. there's some people that are watching the show that haven't seen Rebels or Clone Wars that are not mm-hmm. familiar with the the entire history of the Dark Saber or specifically Mandalore. Right. But it was nice um, for certain characters in that episode to give us a little rundown. It was good.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we will hit we will hit a lot of Mandalore today, and I'm really excited when Julia was like. I was like, Julia, Corky's coming up. And I told her last week, and she's like, get ready to talk for seven hours. And I was like, I can do that. Because I could listen to Julia talk about Corky Kenobi for, like, hours on end. So this should be fun. Um, But let's get into the episodes. Uh, First off, we've got Season 3, Episode 5, Corruption. Uh, Char. Plot summary. The plot summary of...
1: Chapter or season three, episode five: Corruption. Here we go. Desperate times on Mandalore. Having won neutrality for the Mandalorian system, Duchess Satine now finds herself an outsider with very little aid to her people. Supplies are hard to come by, except on the black market. As a result, the Duchess faces a world consumed by greed, hoping to alleviate some of the tension rising in the capital city of Sundari. Satine has called upon her friend Paname Amidala to make a diplomatic visit. That was your
3: best one yet, if was I'm it. going yeah, that to that.
1: You did say, really, you know did? really well. So, as I was watching those episodes, mm-hmm. I noticed that Tom Kane kind of slows it down. And remembering how I would do him, I would kind of speak a little too fast. Yeah. So, I slowed it down, focused on the emphasis of the words. And, you know, hey. I pat myself on the back. There you go.
3: Yeah, I think that's very, very well done. Yeah. Um, so... so in chronological order, this should technically be after the Mandalore plot, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, but obviously we're doing release order because, you know, when you start away, you can't you can't change it. So we're just <laughs> gonna we're just gonna go with it. Um, so obviously from the plot summary, Padme's being, it's a teen calls for Padne, Padme to come help. And I think this is interesting because like, like how Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of have that connection with them. The, both of those, both of them are like connected as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. They're both in politics, but, and then Obi-Wan and Anakin are obviously Jedi. So like, there's the parallel there. Um, right. What what, Julia specifically? What is your thoughts on like the relationship between Padme and Satine?
4: Um, so I really love that it's something that we get at all. Um, I mean, it's something that I would always like, like more of. But I do appreciate that they have at least one complete episode that is them working together. I mean, I have problems with the episode itself, but I do think that like them. Working together makes makes a lot of sense, and allowing them to kind of have their own their own mission um, is important. And I and I appreciate that. I think there's a lot of um, surface level comparison that is good, and then there's a lot of people who are very like dismissive of Satine because they sort of think it's like a a repeat. Whereas I think it's obviously a parallel that exists on purpose to kind of show like how they are similar and how they're different and like seeing as well um, as kind of rulers or as politicians um, the differences between them in terms of how they choose to like approach problems is really interesting to me. I think um, Satina is much more ironically aggressive um, right. as, as a pacifist in terms of how she approaches things, but she's also in crisis. And I think the difference between someone who's been in power for a relatively long amount of time and is in crisis versus like a Padme who comes into a crisis as like a child queen are very different. And I like seeing the different ways that they're sort of forced to um, reckon with like the problems that their planets are facing. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm a big fan of their, their dynamic and I really want more of it. And I, I don't think I'm going to get it in Queens hope, but I'm still going to be hoping that it's there, even though, I got I got a hope in Queen's hope that's very yeah that's how I feel
3: yeah that would be that would be nice to see EK kind of uh bring in Satine if it I think if it's the story I'm 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 all for it because like this episode and like obviously her connecting with Padme in in the Mandalore arc as Mm -hmm. well uh she does they do a little bit more connecting and they figure each other out and like I would Mm -hmm. like to see some like some more conversations between the two Because, like, I feel like Padme, I feel like Satine, if she would have survived the Clone Wars, would have been for sure a rebel.
4: Yeah. Well, and that's something that becomes clear as we get into, like, especially here in this episode and um, in the first Mandalorian arc and then later, like, Palpatine is already aware of the fact that, like, they can't, his plan isn't going to work with a Mandalore that is functional. Um, and so that's one of the things he needs to destroy Um, same thing with like essentially taking down Padme and Bale and like the senate Um, so you can see all these different pieces that are like falling apart being encouraged by Palpatine by Dooku by you know this sort of separatist front um, taking advantage of a situation to like you just see everything playing into Palpatine's plan and it's really sad because it's you know we know how it ends but no one is really aware of the degree to which everything is connected. And it's mm-hmm. very frustrating, but I think successfully done.
1: Oh, yeah. Char, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the very reason why Padme is there is brilliant because I feel like Padme is the remedy to everything. <laughs> because yeah. whenever there's a crisis, especially with Mandalore, which is neutral from the war, because mm-hmm. the whole reason why she's here is because of how much the war is affecting the neutral worlds, specifically mm-hmm. Mandalore. So. I find it funny that when they go to their meeting where Padme, Satine, and everyone gets introduced to the new Mandalore, there's this, all this confetti and all of this excitement mm-hmm. and it's it's great. And it doesn't feel like it's a crisis, but there's some sly stuff going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And then when that meeting happens with Almec, um, Satine, and everyone in that room, mm-hmm. and it's funny how much the war is like the war is like the most critical part of everything in Mm the show specifically. But the reason why Mandalore is like this is because of how corrupt some people are. And that's hence Mm -hmm. the title of the arc. And I think it's so funny. how Mac was like, this must be death watch doing this and trying to like Mm -hmm. being involved in the, the activity that's happening behind the scenes that they're not aware of at the time. Um, And I think Padme, is is the right person for the job Mm -hmm. specifically for this episode then she
3: can sniff out bullshit really
1: she can she can figure out something wrong from a mile away yeah yeah. right and i find it because because later in the episode we see we have a little discussion between Satine and padme talking about how when padme used to be the queen of naboo and she would go on these excursions and Mm -hmm. Because because Obi Wan told her about the, you know, yeah. the events of the Battle of Naboo, and it was I think it's so funny how because Satine is a pacifist, like how you said she's
5: mm-hmm.
1: not very, she doesn't she hates war. She does she's it's kind of because Bocatan and her are the polar opposites, and then it's having Padme who's not afraid to use any weapons. Mm-hmm. Like if she has to use weapons, she will. Mm-hmm. And and it's like Padme is just phenomenal yeah i think oh, yeah. the cho- the cho- the choosing of her going to help mandalore was the right choice if it was orn yeah. free ta i would have punched oh Marvel. my good lord yeah that guy, guy he... sucks
4: yeah i think padme getting i don't know if you guys have seen the meme that's like anytime the jedi have like a political problem it's like them nice. standing around their cell phone like hi padme can you help <laughs> yeah we're <laughs> like they just they just call her up on the flip phone to help with their political situations and like it's it's, a, it's the same thing that I feel with like Obi-Wan and Anakin where like you just needed to have like one conversation
3: uh-huh. and I feel
4: that way about Padme and Satine where I'm like you just needed to have one conversation and like they are sort of I don't know there's so much that is unsaid in terms of like how they're similar in terms of like how they view the Jedi and like it's funny to me how involved Padme is constantly with the Jedi and like, nope. it, like when I think about later with like Clovis like Clovis and like they the Jedi are more than willing to like use Padme as an asset and Mm -hmm. Satine is very like no like I don't want to be involved with the Republic I don't want to be involved with like we are staying out of it and I think that's very interesting because it parallels like how they approach their personal lives as well where like Padme and Anakin choose to try to do both whereas Obi-Wan and a decided not to like they cl- chose their careers for lack of a better term oh, and I yeah. think that's paralleled in terms of like how Padme and Satine approach like h- whether or not they feel what like are going to do what the Jedi want that being said speaking of like issues I have with this episode and the next episode um
1: Here's to holiday traditions, the ones that started as a quick laugh but are now irreplaceable. Here's to the recipes that require grandma's mixing bowl because they just won't taste the same without it. The Chinette brand believes in spending more time on traditions and less time cleaning up. With the Chinette Crystal Comfort and Classic Collection, we can help make your holiday celebrations better for years to come. Here's to mixing timeless traditions with a few new ones. Here's to us, all of us. To find out more, visit MyChinette.com.
4: There's a bit of like a shift in characterization with Satine that I can't really understand. Uh Where like the things she does in this episode do not make sense to me based on the person that we first met. And so like destroying evidence, um, suddenly like using the Jedi when it suits her. And like it's very, I don't love the writing. um, So there's, there are issues here. That make it harder for me to like understand politically what she's trying to accomplish
3: yeah um but it was funny uh so i was watching the episode and satine I-, I can't remember the exact quote but she feels like the republic doesn't care about mandalore because they are a neutral system and i'm like i'm thinking like this like ooh, well I mean, I guess I can see where she's coming from because, yes, the Republic is going to push and, and, mm-hmm. and, and worry about the actual planets that are lined with them. So that mm-hmm. makes sense. But I feel like if if the Republic would have paid a little bit more attention to Mandalore, maybe
1: things would have ended differently. Um, yeah. And it's like, I feel like a planet needs to side with a part of the war, like if it were to sign with the republic or align with the, the separatists. separatists to gain supplies, because the whole part of the episode was the fact that Mandalore is having a lack of shipment. Yeah. And that their trade mm-hmm. routes are open to all this other stuff that they mm-hmm. don't want. They're getting no support. And it's yeah, I think it's like they're being yeah. Yeah.
4: It's it's very reminiscent of like what happens to the jedi where like they're being forced into being involved regardless of like whether or not they want to be and that's true of everyone in the galaxy like uh sheave mr Shiv is making it very hard to like (laughs) stay out of it because um of of the way like it's it seems logically like yes like just side with the republic have republic support have republic troops defending Mandalore like get Death Watch like that seems in many ways like the logical solution but there is this sense of like sovereignty and a commitment that Satine has to Mandalore's independence that I think is really important to um, her character and the sense that like she was not going to be cowed into involvement in something that she like fundamentally didn't think was right and like I think that conflict between the idealism and like the reality of the situation is, is really important. And, um, but yeah, it it certainly is, is causing problems. If the whole planet is running on like a black market and then suddenly Mm -hmm. children are getting poisoned,
3: like not going well, if that's the result. Right. So, yeah, no doubt. But like, so when Padme shows up at the first time, like they, like they get on the thing and they, like, go into the inner city and, like, people are just losing their minds. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down and I put this in here. I go, it feels that, like the greeting for Padme is, like, very reminiscent from Hector. When, mm. when Hector and in, in, uh, Orlando Bloom's character, what's the little brother's name? Paris. Paris. Yes. Hector and Paris come back from uh, Sparta. Like, the, like the, the whole extravagance of it all. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting kind of interesting um but I feel like Padme is a celebrity
4: like I feel like she's very famous and I also think like it makes sense that if you are like a pro Satine then you would probably also like Padme like if you're thinking about like figures that you would be like happy to see um you know I would I wouldn't be surprised if that was if they were high on your list of like favorite people
3: no yeah absolutely and uh shout out to Camilla Koriaka Wookie. I uh, she's, I guess, Beings of the Galaxy has a YouTube. So um, they, I, I don't know if they are going to be releasing the episodes in video form or just like on YouTube. But that, that'd that be kind of cool. So I, I don't know if that's I what's happening. That. Or, I, like, if you guys aren't listening to Beings of the Galaxy,
1: what are you doing? Like, it's just <laughs> exactly it's just quite great. Um, well, but, moving on to the next part of yeah. this arc. So after all that's done with Padme being introduced to the new city of Sundari, we see a little corruption going on in the in the docks. Yeah. And we see a group of Mugan smugglers. And let me tell you, these guys look weird. It's like if you were to instead of mummies, you have lizards. Yeah. But like they look like they're from ancient Egypt, but are mm-hmm. lizards. Me too. <laughs> like they're they're the most funky. I think I think they're voiced by the main guy is voiced by D. Bradley Baker. It sounds awful awful a lot like him. Which I'm, one? I'm not too me. sure, but Which yeah, it sounds just me. like him. And and we see this um <sighs> we see this guy who is going to check out what this shipment is, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, let me give you the uh, the inspection credits in the hand. Move on, and they're smuggling. Yeah. A substance a co- toxic chemical called Slavin and they got tea that they got shipped in but they're mixing it with Slavin which the guy mentions that it's toxic but the Mugen tells them that only with the right dose it can double a yeah. profit and double the amount and so now we're we see the, 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 the celebration of the city and at the same time we're seeing all the shady stuff go on in the background,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and it's crazy how many people within Mandalore are working with them and are just mm-hmm. like, yeah, Satine is doing this and that. I'm not like that, and it eventually leads to kids drinking that tea and becoming poisoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it creates a big crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like another crisis, and outside of the trading and the shipment, now they just have an even bigger crisis on their yeah. planet.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. It seems like Mandalore can never catch a break in this series. <laughs> you know what I mean?
4: in general, in general, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Just in the Star Wars universe, yeah. they can never get out of eat the a. They can ne- either never get out of their own way, or mm-hmm. they just manage to get themselves into situations that they have no control over. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was funny. Well, so as that's going, as so then we cut away from there, and. Padme sits in on a debate between the the Council of Mandalore, Mm -hmm. and she tries to help out, but ends up getting it thrown in her face. Yeah, which is interesting because, like, seeing Padme as a character, you just don't see that happen to her a ton. So I found that interesting. Uh, Thoughts on that, Julia?
4: Well, yeah, it, it's, it's a, I think, a good example of how it's, co- like, Mandalore is complicated, and they don't necessarily, um, the idea of an outsider coming in and, and having something to say or trying to fix their problems is fundamentally going to be a problem for them. Um, and I think, like, people always, you know, there's been criticisms of, like, oh, people can't criticize Padme. Well, like, I think this is a great example of how um, she... I think can feel like think she can fix problems that she can't actually fix. Like feeling like she, you know, wants to do her best and wants to help. But sometimes the problem is like bigger than she anticipated. And I think that's what's happening here where like, it's bigger than she sort of anticipated and her normal approach to sort of problem solving um, doesn't work in this situation. And I think that's important. that we that we see that that it's not always you know her just coming in to save the day um and i i appreciate that we get to see that sort of um like uh camilla said like her idealism can get her in trouble um where it's you know this nice solution she thought up or her sort of opinion isn't just going to auto people aren't going to automatically be swayed by her and perhaps mm-hmm. she's at this point in her life used to people um at least you know well the 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 queen's shadow does get into like she had to earn that respect and that trust where when she first joined the senate people thought of her as like that girl queen from naboo and she had to like earn this respect and so i you know it's not to say that it's been easy for her but um she's also been doing this for like a long a long time yeah um as like a a political prodigy it's probably a bit frustrating um to have things not you know go
3: her way so no, oh, yeah, absolutely. I just found it an interesting Char, What, 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 what
1: were your thoughts? Well, just like what Julia said, like I feel like no one really respects Satine. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of weird that they don't. They know that she's the most powerful person. She's in charge of Mandalore, mm-hmm. but since they, this is what leads into the later seasons. No one really likes her way of ruling.
2: Mm-hmm. No
1: one likes her pacifism, especially Death Watch. Um, right and people and and everyone that's working for her or working a job under Satine feel like they can freely just go and do whatever they want right and just have no punishment and that's what the 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 um um, i'm forgetting his name what's his name um the customs officer that that gets bribed Mm -hmm. by the Mugans. and it's and it's just i don't understand like why people just hate on satine like satine is a powerful ruler like she right she she's very peaceful
5: mm-hmm.
1: she she's very good at diplomacy she knows how to make things happen but mandalore i feel like mandalore is is always been determined to fall because well, there's just is, no one yeah. no one sides with her and it's weird because she's such a good leader and she wants this what's the, some, what's yeah. best for mandalore mm-hmm.
4: sorry not to Keep cutting, cutting off. Oh, go This ahead, is kind go of ahead. what I was thinking about with um, episode, five of Book of, episode five of Book of Boba Fett. Again, I won't get into spoilers here, but like, this is actually something I was talking to Camilla about earlier, where like, was it Camilla? I'm not sure. Saying at some point, like, Mandalore's fate like, was already sealed before what we see happen yeah. in that episode. And I think, you know, what's interesting to me is so this isn't canon, but the Bounty Hunter's Guide has a little section about death watch and something um, that's mentioned there is the at least from death watch's perspective in this like legends book Satine's success after that civil war came from like exhausted mandawade like tired of the war and like really not having another choice and so what's interesting to me is like clearly she has been successful enough where there's a complacency because they have achieved a level of sort of peace and stability where if you know that they aren't as worried about death watch like it's it's a complacency and so that is coming from some state of like success in her Mm -hmm. abilities it's been 15 16 years um since the end of that particular civil war and it's it's it is frustrating because i think people are very willing to dismiss the fact that like she would not be in that position if the people did not support her clearly they did at some point support her they needed to in order to like get her into that position and keep her there because she is not enforcing it with the military so Mm -hmm. it is being enforced by like the people themselves so that's eventually like what like you're saying like it's clearly opinion has begun to shift and so I do think it's important to recognize that how did she like enforce this without like actual physical force if the people weren't behind her. And so mm-hmm. it's makes sense to me that the way that she is undermined is through this public opinion, through loss of respect because um, if she can't fight back with a military and the yeah. people are no longer behind her, that's that's when it's going to um, blow up and that's eventually what happens. And so with this corruption, it's a good it's it's a sign of like what's happening um because i i agree at this point she's really not getting the respect she deserves but at some point it must have been there because you don't get mandalorians to follow you if they don't actually want to follow you right like they're not just gonna like they were exhausted by the war they wanted the fighting to end and she was offering them a version of being that wasn't fighting and so yeah i would love to know more about that and kind of how it happened but I agree where, where she's at now it's like it's going terribly wrong
3: oh yeah yeah and that might be an understatement because i mean like yeah. they she she doesn't she and it's funny because this episode leads well obviously leads into the next one but like she like padme and her like it, the, the scary part about it is that that people think on well in the galaxy and in real life as well they it's scary to think that profit and money is valued more than a than a than a life of a of a living Mm being and that is all too real if you think about it it's 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 it sends home that's the adult message in in this in this episode it's like corruption is everywhere
5: at henson we're looking forward to the holidays and that means more time in the kitchen now imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle you'd be nervous Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday
3: no matter where you look, it's just how you deal with that corruption and how it is handled mm-hmm. that can either make or break a situation kind of like yeah. Um, yeah. But like when Satine, so like after Padme kind of gets her bell rung in a political stance, mm-hmm. um, Satine finally steps in and is like, all right, I'm, I'm the boss here. I'm going to take over this. And kind of like, that's where there was, like, she still has that respect. But mm-hmm. it seems it it seems like the 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 grasp that she has on it is slowly like it's slowly mm-hmm. loosening, which isn't isn't very good <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But Satine and Pat may go to the hospital. Um. And thinking like, oh yeah, there's a new hospital. Like we can go see that mm-hmm. and yeah, let's uh, showcase
1: it to you. And yeah, there's a uh, there's a kid that's being brought into the hospital and as a matter of fact there's multiple kids being brought to that hospital yeah and doctor i think his name is zach staz i believe that's his name um says that these kids were poisoned Mm -hmm. and they're like wait what and then they go inside and they see a bunch of kids from the same school Mm -hmm. poisoned, and then they try to figure out wait how could they be poisoned and padme comes to the conclusion that there was no way that death watch was involved because mm-hmm. or i think Satine said that but and it, death watch yeah. isn't the type of person that would type of people that would poison yeah a, not, a way to finish their or attack someone yeah they're not yeah. They're, they're not a they're not really into chemical warfare if yeah. they wanted to they would be but right not on this they would never target the children um yeah, or so we think yeah but then they find. and then they the doctor, or they speak to the sup- school superintendent to tell him, like, hey, what's what's on the school's menu? What's what's here? What's on the menu? And the guy says, oh, it hasn't changed much. And they talk about how they have this new shipment of tea mm-hmm. and these bottles. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, this wasn't on the menu. This is, this is relatively new mm-hmm. here. This is off the menu. And then they grab one from a kid, and they go and test it. Yeah. And then they find... That there was a chemical in it. Yeah. And they're like, wait, Slavin is toxic. Mm-hmm. And then as they're they as they're done testing, the superintendent of the school starts to dart off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Don't, well, be, suspicious. I Don't to be, be suspicious. Don't
1: suspicious. Yeah, Don't be he's, suspicious.
3: Yeah. Wasn't
1: good at that at all. I mean, that was when Satine really asserted her dominance. It was like, hey, what are you doing? And then he yeah. tried yeah. to leave. And then, right when he tries to go, Satine's like, "Stop him!" And then the guards just go, yeah. "Bam," <laughs> yeah. And then he so, almost falls off the cliff. But
3: I thought it yeah. was funny even before that when they're when they're talking to Almec and he's he's accusing Deathwatch. Like Satine knows in the back of her mind, like that's suspicious. Like like that's yeah. Almec's being sauce as hell, and I think it's. I think it's great how her and Padme are together on like getting the guards to be like their spies for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like, kind of find it weird that they didn't that they didn't understand that Almec quickly went to accuse Death Watch. Yeah, like, why did he? Why yeah. did he do that? Like, why would they? Why would he just say that? Just because yeah. they're violent, according to what they see, and yeah. they're they're known for being terrorists, as what they're called mm-hmm. on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them the main culprit here. Like, you gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta extend out your research and see what's happening. How and is this? Yeah, and that's what they do. That's mm-hmm. absolutely what yeah. they do with the, with the, um,
3: poisoning. And I mean, honestly, if you think about it, the best way to take down a, um, to, to cause chaos is to go for, mm-hmm. go for the young ones. Cause yeah. then you really don't you really don't understand like what's going on, especially if it's it, 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 it's it's anytime losing a life or losing like, like no matter how old you are or how young you are, it's still devastating. But I feel mm-hmm. like in most situations the, the the stakes are heightened because they are children. They are supposed mm-hmm. to live. They have so much uh, life to live and it's being mm-hmm. cut short because of, of people being greedy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, and so... you mind if I? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Continue? Go ahead. So, right.
1: once once the school superintendent gets stopped, he gets asked a question because he obviously, since he was doing that, he's aware of what is happening, mm-hmm. and then he's asked, "Who brought these? Who brought this tea here? Who was responsible for bringing the slave in here?" And he mentions a name, an employee of a shipping company named Sadiq, and he. Is said that he's mainly responsible, but he's just the middleman here. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not fully involved. So they go and they visit Sadiq, who who you know he mm-hmm. works for a trading company, and then Satine, Padme, um, and some of her guards are brought there, and then they talk about where this came from, and Sadiq's like just laying back, like. Yeah, the kids were poisoned. I am I'm very upset about it, <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> how do you like, like children yeah. are being poisoned here? And he sounds he sounds so monotone and emotionless, and yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, is this really how Mandalorians are? Um, yeah. But...
3: No, yeah. Go ahead, Char.
1: And then he provides Satine and Padme with information about where the shipping came from. So Mm -hmm. he gives them information about where they're getting shipped to, like which dock they're at. And, and then therefore we move back and then we go all the way from there to here again. And they Mm -hmm. interrogate the, uh, the police, the police officer. Yeah. And he's reluctant to say anything. He said that there's, Oh, there's no corruption here. There's nothing going on. And, you, you're well aware that there's something going on, mm-hmm. and and it's like, how do you, how are you not aware of this? Because there's there's so much stuff going on
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: like, how is the chief of police just just pushing that aside? I find that to be yeah kind of weird. Um, julia do you mind like giving your thoughts about how Satine yeah. handled that situation with the police officer?
4: Yeah, I mean, if to me, like. But unfortunately with it, it, it's similar to what ends up happening to Padme in the prequels where like the writing is putting me in a position where i have to accept that suddenly this like very competent um shrewd woman is like making really dumb mistakes and it's frustrating because it seems like this should be more obvious and i think later like in the next episode they more clearly sort of suggest or I guess state that like she's trying like because she doesn't trust anyone she has to sort of try to find ways to get around the fact that like no one is trustworthy and bringing in outsiders to kind of give her that that perspective but clearly like people are taking bribes people are like doing things that are corrupt and it seems like the environment that has allowed that to grow is is like we say with the war and so I think it's like I am not (sighs) saying And that's like a writing issue, but like it's clear the sort of direction that Mandalore was going and like in order to get there they had to like <laughs> nerf Satine because the Satine we see in like uh, the Mandalore plot mm-hmm. would handle this episode very differently. Um, and so like for example when she destroys the warehouse, I'm like why would you do that? Why would you destroy evidence of people doing crimes and like like undermining your how like it 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 doesn't make sense to me so there's a Mm -hmm. lot of it that i find really confusing yeah i
1: didn't understand that either yeah i don't understand (laughs) the the evidence
4: (laughs) yeah no exactly and so it's it seems like there's a, a sense to like make things fit to get to the point where mandalore gets and i just characterization wise like this Maybe she's just having a bad week. I don't know. (laughs) But like it seems like she's really not the best version of herself in this episode and um, it doesn't make a lot of sense with the other appearances and it's the same thing with like talking to like the the chief of the guards or like how she feels about Almec and all this stuff where Mm -hmm. I don't love it and sort of am you know unsure like as a canon reason why suddenly this is like the approach she's taking. Um, So yeah, I mean, clearly there's something wrong on Mandalore if people are, like, suffering to the extent that, like, they're willing to take bribes or they're willing to kind of, like, get in bed with, like, smugglers and people who are poisoning children. Like, it's bad. Um, yeah. And she should know that. And if she really doesn't know that and she's been this blind for this long, I need more information about how that happened because mm-hmm. it seems like she's pretty in touch with everything. Like, there's part of her where she's... a I don't know. It can't all just be ignorance,
1: I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, Mandalore yeah. is a uh, full of heretics, I'd say. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so before the chief of police talks to to Satine, they go to the pier that Sadiq told them to go to, mm-hmm. and they sneak behind. And that was what I mentioned earlier about about how Satine asked uh, Padme about her little excursions from Obi Wan that he mm-hmm. told her about, and so. They sneak, and they see that that the customs officer at the pier is getting bribed to yeah. let it come in. And since they got their evidence, they go back, and then they talk to the chief of police. And he's like, oh, nothing is happening. There is no criminal activity out here. I see it's, everything. It's not like and, we didn't just see you get bribed, bro. Like, we just yeah. saw you get bribed.
3: Like, you can't. There's nothing. Like, yeah. come on now. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and there's... there's he's reluctant to agree that th- there's criminal activity happening. And, mm-hmm. and then once he tells him, or once she tells him that there is something going on, they go to that pier and the chief of police is like, Hey, why are you guys guarding there? I, I can't talk like, like the way the chief speaks. It's kind of like, Hey, what are you doing here? Um, hi, it's what kind of are you, 60s, what are you doing? Like guarding 60s, that, guarding yeah, that, uh, yeah, uh-huh. guarding that warehouse. And, yeah. So they go and they find that container that there's two officers Mm -hmm. guarding. And then they're like, open this door right now. And Satine commands it. And the chief's like, do you know who this is? (laughs) And then the officers look at each other. And then they start attacking uh, the chief. And, well, the chief obviously takes them down pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And then they open the door and they find the Mugans Mm -hmm. and... The guy yeah, that was asked noise. earlier about if the slavin was toxic, we see all those mm-hmm. guys that the main culprits involved with this. And then right when the door opens,
2: boom, 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 boom,
1: gunfight, and mm-hmm. that's where stuff gets pretty intense. And they they do really well with trying to infiltrate and take down take down everyone that was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke, do you have any thoughts on how well they handled it and what Padme and the were doing in that situation?
3: I mean, obviously, Satine's like she's still kind of taking that stance of like I'm not gonna get involved, and mm-hmm. like Padme's like,
1: Psst. this is, happens to me on a daily basis. I can yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. She was so used to it, and then when you see um, the chief get shot, and then she sees the um, the Wester thirty five that he was using on the ground, she was like, hmm, I, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seeing, yeah, you can go seeing, ahead and continue.
3: Yeah, see, seeing Padme just like completely just be a badass. Like she's already yeah. a badass, but like seeing her like coordinate things and be like, "Hey, like let's push this in front." Like using her strategy, like she learned from mm-hmm. Naboo, from Geonosis, from the the arc where she gets attacked from Bail. Um, mm-hmm. Like she's she well used... aware of
1: aggressive negotiations. Exactly, very aggressive <laughs> negotiations.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and, i mean she's obviously a great shot um uh, but julia what are your thoughts on that whole i mean
4: here's the thing the best version of padme is child with a gun padme that's the best <laughs> version of padme I yeah. never I, like that. phantom menace padme who's like i'm 15 you've threatened my planet i will kill you is the best yeah. version of padme And so I'm always excited to see that version of Padme. Um, It's sort of like in in the flesh. And that's like the version that's missing from episodes two and three. And so I'm glad that we get that in the Clone Wars. And Mm -hmm. it is another, it's a good example of like, um, you know, Padme is like very committed to peace. And like, had she lived, like Palpatine's plan wouldn't have worked because like she is able to rally sort of people to to do the right thing. Um, But she's also willing to use, violence and I think like I I very much agree like yes, at a certain point, Satine needed to kind of accept that, you know, uh, fighting was like sort of the natural, really only option but I also think it's a good example of like Padme does not come from the same culture Naboo is like an inherently peaceful artistic cosmopolitan almost utopian society where children can like pursue art and music and politics and like obviously it's not Perfect. It's a very like stratified society, like we see in the Padme books. Of like, they bring in like migrant workers to do manual labor and things like that. Like, it's a it, there are problems with this society. But Satine, at Padme's age, was being on was on the run from bounty yep. hunters trying to murder her after the like capital city got destroyed and her father was assassinated, and suddenly she's in charge of this planet and. Half of the planet is like murdering the other half. Like they are coming at this from very different perspectives. And mm-hmm. it's not to say that, like, I think Satine is justified in never using force and like not protecting Mandalore to that extent. Yeah. But there's a trauma associated with violence that Satine has that I don't think Padma has. Not to say that she doesn't have trauma from like the sort of um, the blockade of Naboo, like she yeah. does. And I like that we get that more in the books. But I, I, I want to see backstory about that part of Satine's life because I can't imagine the experience of, like, having your planet destroyed and being committed to never letting that happen again mm-hmm. and sort of the hard choices you have to make. So I think this little fight is a really good example or, like, a sort of snapshot of the differences between them and how their mm-hmm. lives, like, Satine didn't grow up in, like, an idyllic family with parents who loved her and encouraged her to, like, pursue whatever she wanted. Like, that was not the childhood she had. And I think that informs a huge part of like who she is as a character.
3: Do you think we'll get that backstory in well, obviously we yeah. we, we wanna see it in Master and Apprentice Two, Claudia Gray, make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
4: Master and Apprentice two Electric Boogaloo.
3: Yes. Uh-huh, electric boogaloo. Or or uh this is how I got my scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like I would love to see like and I've heard you heard you say, Julia, just, like, the whole dynamic between Qui-Gon and seeing those two together yep. and being him, like, he, him being, like, bro, mm. this this kid's sussy. Mm-hmm. He's got something for this. Yeah. He's got something, there's something going on between these two, but yeah. like I feel like that's going to happen because Satine is a very interesting character, and I feel like she could get her own trilogy of books. Oh, absolutely. Um, Like Padme. I would heard. love that. <laughs> i would
4: love that it's weird to me that Courty like
1: stories <laughs> yeah
4: it's weird to me that like she has kind of ceased to exist like so for example it makes sense to me why the armorer wouldn't mention her because mm-hmm. she probably doesn't want to most like uh, city never existed um but like star wars as a whole like seems to have dropped her like a hot potato in many respects as a character and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Bo is acting the way she is because of her relationship to her sister and so not Mm -hmm. having that piece and so like I would love to get that and part of me is still hopeful because I do think there's a lot there and I think there's a lot of passion and people love this character and getting the opportunity to like dive into her like a Bow and Satine book, like as sisters, I would love that. I would love getting to see, like, if they Sisterhood. don't feel confident enough. Yeah, just... Um, I took what the armor said as a reference. I, yep. Yeah, like, you all can right. definitely read that in. In terms of, like, name dropping, kind of how, like, like not wanting to mention Padme mm-hmm. at all in certain contexts, like, it seems weird to me. Um, but I would love to get some, like, explicit references to her, because, like, everything that's happening now in the Mandalorian is like direct as a direct result to the things that we are seeing here in this arc like starting to break down there's like a direct line and so I would love to get that filled in a little bit more explicitly but I expect nothing and therefore (laughs) I am always happy to get what I get because I have zero expectations you know at all
3: times no yeah
1: Yeah. absolutely and then do you want to finish off the episode or do you want me to?
3: no I got it Okay. Um. So Padme shows off her experience in aggressive aggressive negotiations. Of course, um, she handles her shit, and <laughs> they both go back. And Satine questions Almec, and she has mm-hmm. a conversation with Padme as as she's leaving. She's like, "I can't. There's nobody I can really trust. Is there mm-hmm. any way you can talk to the Jedi Council?" And like, mm-hmm. I love how like Padme is just like, "Yeah, we can get them involved." Like and yeah. you're exactly right, Julia. Like S- S- Satine's just like you should mention it because I don't yeah. want to mention it, but you definitely but you, should. Yeah. Like I-, I don't think it would look good for me to do it, but you definitely could on my behalf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Padme's already involved with the Jedi. Like
4: yeah, she works Absolutely. with them all the time, and so Satine does it. I do think it's very funny to imagine that Satine is like you should you should get the Jedi involved. Yes. And like, it's, it's the Jedi, not anyone in particular, but like, and then it's like, I, I think it's funny to imagine Padme being like, yeah, I can't get, get Obi Wan to show. I'm so sorry. I can't, he yeah. can't come yeah. Teach, yeah. teach school for a while. Um, yeah. he is kind of busy. Um, but <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't like, I, I, sure, maybe Zatine was just in general hoping that the Jedi would arrive, but I don't think she really has a lot, like she respects the Jedi to the extent that she respects Obi-Wan as a person and I don't think like beyond that she's a huge like I don't know she respects them but I don't think she loves them as, a, as a group so I do always I do always take this request as like her she's asking for Obi-Wan specifically yes. uh-huh, and yeah. like does not get that request fulfilled
3: no. and I think that's very fun it is fun and then so Padme states that she will t- uh, she will talk to Master Yoda about lending a jedi to the situation which is very smart think about it It, it, like if anybody can snuff out corruption if padme can't and Satine can't like a jedi and their senses with the force and everything can usually do the trick um and that is the end of corruption for episode five um like that episode is pretty good it it does a lot for this next one though Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's it's a great
1: setup. So, yeah, absolutely. To like, because it's going to dive in. Well, the arc is called the corruption, and then we're going to actually see what the real corruption is that's going on in Mandalore. And I think this one really set it up with just the the tea and the poison. But if you watch Star Wars long enough, you know that there's always a better or a bigger bad that's involved. Mm -hmm. And we get to find out who that is in this episode. So, Mm -hmm. no, yeah, absolutely. Char. All right, let's see if I do better than I first did. All right? Here we go. Season 3, Episode 6, The Academy. Yep. A oh, world in crisis! The peaceful planet of Mandalore is being strangled by the grip of corruption. With shortages of every kind, citizens must turn to the black market in order to survive. Desperate to free her people, Duchess Satine her esther friend Padme Amadala to speak with the Jedi Council in hopes that they will send assistance for her struggling world.
3: Better, I mean, it yeah. wasn't as good as the first one, but
1: yeah. you know, yeah,
3: we we all have our bad <laughs> bad times, but all right. it was a good so, effort.
1: Julia, I feel like this is like your episode John yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah, yeah. let me tell you. So this is yeah. the first episode where Corky is introduced to Clone Wars, and mm-hmm.
4: this is his big his big introduction. Here's the yeah, thing, and
1: he gets a very big part um, of this episode.
4: Yeah, this is this is his this is his episode. Here's the thing I want to remind people is that before Dark Disciple. Corky and Quinlan Voss were on the exact same level when it comes to numbers of Clone Wars episodes they are in in which they are major characters so I can like I still hold out hope um I know that I have a relationship to this episode that is fundamentally different than most people because on the surface <laughs> of it um it's it's can it like if you don't like a like Harry Potter dynamic of like kids meddling or like a scooby-doo style like kids meddling like you're probably not going to enjoy this very much um so i do not have like an objective not that anyone ever has an objective opinion on on like media Mm. i have a very subjective opinion of this episode so like my favorite things about this episode are everything Corky does specifically (laughs)
1: like so it's, which is like 80 percent of the episode yeah, yeah. like
4: my, like he so it starts off with like i just i want to remind people like this episode the first thing corky does is like he sees ahsoka and is like wow your lightsaber is super cool can i hold it and almost like oh god and then like has to like push him away yeah. and like i just like that's the first thing we see him do is yeah. literally like they're talking about how weapons aren't allowed outsiders aren't allowed to have weapons obi-wan really messed stuff up last time he was here yeah. and then Corky shows up and is like hi can i touch your lightsaber it looks really cool yeah.
3: and it's just like that's the just first throws thing he everything to- all back throughout He's the like, window
4: stupid I want to see the lightsaber, <laughs> um, and um, so like there's a lot here. That, like I, I, the actual episode itself, sure, but like the ex, like the the um, it was calling to him exactly. He's like, I need, oh, here we I go. do need to, I need to touch this up. I need to touch the lightsaber, um, because this like to me like gets my mind going of like. How much does he know? Like, how much has Satine told him about, like, her experiences with the Jedi? Because he seems to have a very idealized version of what the Jedi are. And later in the episode, when he's frustrated with Ahsoka not doing what he thinks needs to be done, he gets upset. And he says, like, you sound more like my aunt than a Jedi knight. And so it gives me this sense of him as someone who has this like idealized version of the Jedi, which I think is fascinating because the and Jedi are not historically groups of people that get along. Mm-mm. He seems to have a high opinion of them. And yeah. so I love the little touches in this episode that show the degree to which he has a high opinion of the Jedi. And like in my mind that is coming from Satine. And I just want to know how much about like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan specifically he has been told about like her experiences with them. So um, yeah, I love, I love he's just so e- eager to do the right thing and like naive to an extent that is very um, there's like, yeah, I raised a lot of questions. So I, um, Yes, I could talk about all sorts of things, but yes, the first thing he does in Star Wars canonically is want to touch lightsaber. Like he's like, "Hmm, need to please help." Um, yes. and then there's a really good shot of when Almec is like, Obi Wan caused problems, and his hand is just like here and. Corky's face is just here, and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's a really like every time I watch this episode, I'm like, hmm, this is not subtle at all. Yeah, so, no
3: subtlety. Um, but like zero even subtlety. Before, yeah, even before like when Ahsoka's like, and this is a big episode for like big episode for mm-hmm. Ahsoka as a character as well. Um, because yeah. Ahsoka's like talking to Anakin, she's like, I feel like I'm overqualified, mm-hmm. and it's like Anakin looks over her and her and goes, bro. You're a Padawan. You're probably the... Right. You're a kid. You're probably the yeah. perfect person to teach these these other kids mm-hmm. to, like, how... Like, I mean, she's taught... Young, she's came in and instructed younglings. Remember from the mm-hmm. Lightsaber Lost? She came in and gave that, uh like, this is your weapon. Don't lose it. She does later in season five. She takes the younglings mm-hmm. to Ilum. And, like, I feel like this is a good moment. Like, this is where she gets her footing of, like... Hey, I could be good at this.
4: Yeah. Um. Speaking of Furnace here, hi Fern. Um. Ahsoka yeah, hi, Fern. as a teacher is something we talk about. Like we've mentioned, where like it's it's a tragedy that like she doesn't get to pass on what she knows or like share her knowledge later, either as like having a Padawan or like being a teacher more generally. And um, I like the extent to which this shows the, like, kind of mission that she would probably be going on all the time if there wasn't a war happening. Uh Um, And it just makes me think about, like, what Ahsoka's Jedi experience would have been like without the war. And it reminds me of, like, a Vernestra Rowe situation in the High Republic where she could have been teaching and training and, like, really, like, excelling in this area because it's clear that, like, she does have a like passion for this and just because she's good at fighting um like later like in season seven right where yeah. bo katan was well, not season seven i don't know when bo says like i wish i was good at something other than war
1: oh it was yeah it was uh season seven it was yeah, after they took about yeah after they mm-hmm. captured maul yeah
4: and i feel that way about ahsoka where like she has constantly been forced to fight and the part of that tragedy is that she was never given an opportunity to be a version of the Jedi that she should have had the opportunity to be. And so even though she sees this mission as like, I have to go teach a lesson. Like it's an example of like the type of Jedi she could have been. And it's, you know, I feel, I feel similarly like part of the reason I'm so invested in quirky as a character has to do with, I think a similarity in terms of like the life planned for him versus what ended up happening and I think Ahsoka undergoes a similar experience and I think that is a really fun parallel because they like to pair they like to pair the Mandalorians and the Jedi in terms of like their experiences and thinking about how Ahsoka has her entire world destroyed and the Jedi are destroyed and like her whole life explodes that has to have happened to Corky too and so I almost feel like that's part of the reason that I think it would be fun to bring him back is to talk about how, like, yeah, sometimes the life you think you're gonna have gets blown up, and like, how do you pick up the pieces of that? So that makes sense. I do, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And like- yeah, and Julia, that's actually a really good point because I was telling Luke earlier, um, I was reading a play earlier called The Raisin in the Sun, and I feel mm-hmm. like a theme of that story is that you have this dream of. Of being something great but it's usually that's not the case and mm-hmm. like and a lot of the elements in that play really are wrapped up to what he just said so i think that was a really good mm-hmm. connection that i uh, that i yeah. kind of wanted to point out no yeah yeah absolutely. no yeah, yeah.
4: i love that we're all i'm always pro-literary reference yeah you gotta know <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm never gonna be mad about that there you go um but like and it and it's so funny that you say that because it's like I feel like Corky could fit into the Keno- not the, not into the Kenobi show specifically, but I think he could. I think he could fit into Ahsoka down the yeah. line. Um, and here's my question because I never really understood whose kid he is supposed to be in canon. Mm-hmm. Because Bo, had, it's just her and Bo, right? Mm-hmm. So that's Bo's yeah. kid.
4: Well, here's the thing. Now, so there's the only okay so there is a there's a clip if you've never seen it there's a there's a google hangout um they did like 2015 with like dave and the cast sam what was there ashley x is there but pablo delgo is also there and they're talking about and one of the questions they got was like is corky Bo's son and the answer like Dave gets like a long-winded answer because that's just kind of how he is, but he yeah. says no. And he says like, we might've considered that at one point, but I think now that's first of all, so no, she, mm-hmm. they may be considered it, but he says at least at that point, no, she's not.
3: Interesting. And
4: um, the other thing now is that with the retcon of like her age, she is maybe three years older than Corky. Right. So she's like what 1920 during the clone wars. And he's a yeah. teenager and so there's no possible way for that to be the case Um, and I think it's really funny because Mandalorian society like the idea of like a niece or nephew is as a concept is not something that at least in legends like they have family but here's my question like that's a good like who is he supposed to be because in Mandalorian society like if he is a foundling if he is an orphan yes wouldn't Satine just adopt him like Mm -hmm. if he doesn't have a family that he belongs to why is she not claiming him and so there is either another sibling or nephew was like a vague term kind of like they say this person is my cousin and you might not mean cousin literally but like they're a distant relation and that vagueness I think could be a couple things like kind of like how I'm watching about a murder she wrote and like (laughs) Jessica Fletcher has a lot of relatives and it seems like it's just an excuse to like get her to uh, a mystery that's happening. Mm -hmm. So like the, the most um, uh, jaded interpretation is like, it doesn't matter. They didn't think that much about it, but I have heard from Dave Filoni's mouth and I've heard from Pablo Hidalgo's mouth that like Dave has a detailed Kreese family tree. And so I know that that's not true. Um, And so what Pablo said about it in this, Google Hangout was like Dave sent us this email with a Crease family tree, and he took it in a direction no one was expecting. And we said, "Let's not address that." So that's like, I mean, I can, I we can, like, I can send you if you haven't ever seen the actual clip. Uh, yeah, so, um, it's that. it's really funny because um, there isn't one, and so it's to me an example of like. I don't know, like, Satine just got away with it.
3: This is no, perfect. Because,
4: like, yeah, like, how, yeah, Bilbo, exactly. Yeah, this how like far does Bilbo's
3: related. nephew, yeah, but it's, like, it's not, it's, like, he's, yeah. like, his second or third cousin or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Weird.
4: But in this situation, we have, like, Corky is approximately the same age as how long Satine has been in power since the end of the war, <laughs> Like it's it's just like I do doing the math like hmm, like regardless he is potentially like a war orphan and like she could have taken him in but she also doesn't adopt him which is yeah. weird. And so it's, it's just a situation of like
3: something doesn't if, add up.
4: It doesn't add up and like I do truly believe that this was baloney's intention and that George Lucas opened up his email he got that family tree, and he was like, "I'm sorry, you're giving Obi Wan Kenobi a chat. No, you're not allowed to do that." <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. he was like, "I'm George Lucas. You can't do that. Send email." Um, and yeah, like that's there isn't a canon explanation for like who his parents are. Um, and that's interesting. It's because they they don't exist. And um, stop asking about it. There's nothing here. <laughs> There's, don't worry about it
2: yeah
1: Corky Kreese Kenobi the yeah, abbreviation yeah. I do not like that <laughs> yeah yeah no, no that this doesn't, is that doesn't here's work. the thing
4: I'm very pro I'm very pro him keeping the Kreese family name because who is Obi-Wan to him he's just some guy like yeah. in this version of events Satine would have essentially raised him and like I think he should stay Corky Kreese um because it would be Kind of unfair for him to just like abandon Satine and be like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm going to change my name. Um, yeah. Personally, that being said, Bo's statements plus this last episode have me thinking. Hey, Bo, what did you? Where is he? What happened? <laughs> like, did you did you kill him yourself? Like, what did you do? Like, like it's it's very. Um, he is. He is absent from the Siege of Mandalore. He's absent from Rebels. Yeah, he's absent from the Mandalorian. As of right now, like it's. Sorry, we're we're going off
1: the... Juliet. Where did he go? If Corky shows up, yeah, I'm just curious what your reaction would be. Oh God, she thing. would lose it. I think she would be here's his the parent. thing. Oh. Here's the thing. I don't mean it'd to be, like it'd burst like any Boba If came back, like I would. Yeah, just, I, I do just down in tears.
4: <laughs> okay so i actually had so after i watched five of the book of Boba Fett, again, no spoilers i did have like a protracted meltdown um in this meltdown i had a realization so are you guys familiar with like a glup shadow are you familiar with the concept of a glup shadow yeah. <laughs>
1: okay <laughs>
4: explain
5: um, <laughs>
3: explain because I, I think
1: I my, friend, my friend used to say that all the
3: time
7: <laughs> i so can't glup believe it comes
4: that. from a tweet um, where someone says, like, Star Wars fans will be like, oh, my God, Glup Shido is coming back. Oh. Or, like, two outsiders, like, will be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to see Plo Koon. And to everyone else, it's like, are you okay? <laughs> like,
3: yeah. so a uh-huh. Glup Shido
4: was like, your funky favorite little guy who's, like, a nobody Star Wars character that, like, we as fans get really attached to. But I realized that Corky exists in what I'm calling the Glup Shido paradox. Because... <laughs> for a lot of Glup shadows their return is like a fun little like Cobb Vanth being in the aftermath novels and then showing up in the Mandalorian it's like oh cool yeah. or like Black Chrysanthemum. Oh, it's a fun like character crossing over God. from like comics into live action corky returning would be way more complicated than that and yeah. so he is a Glup and yet is more important than other Glup shadows if mm-hmm. what is like theorized about him is true and so i think him not returning is because they have no way of him returning that doesn't like fundamentally upset the balance of star wars and so even though he's like a nobody like you know d tier character he is potentially the child of two much more important characters. Ooh. And if that's true and they bring him back, it's a like can of worms. So it's called the glup Shido paradox. It's when your glup Shido is also Obi-Wan's child. And oops, if we bring him back, we have to deal with that. And so I think that's a huge reason for like why he hasn't returned is there's no way to do it without opening Upsetting. up the can
3: of worms. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah. like it, I would love it. I, I think it'd be hilarious. I th- it, it, not hilarious. I think it would be interesting because I feel like, because I mean, Obi Wan does say in the arc, I like he says to mm-hmm. Anakin and both Satine says yeah. that I would have left the Jedi Order for her if she and yeah. in, and in specifically Satine, he goes, I would have left if you would have asked me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. there, like, there's something that happened before then that mm-hmm. causes him to be like that or mm-hmm. make that yeah. statement, you know?
4: Well, and Satine would never ask that of him because no, she knows how important being a Jedi is to is to him. In the same way, that, like, she wasn't going to just, like, give up being the Duchess of Mandalore. Um, So speaking about, like, parallels with Padme, like, Obi-Wan and Satine choose to not try to make their relationship and what their, like, life's work is like work together whereas Padme and Anakin do both and um, yeah I mean again I could talk about this forever and like I don't want to Um, there's there's it's kind of like rabbit holes or whatever but like <laughs> I think I think like what we get in this episode specifically are all the seeds that you need to make him a more interesting character case. and I and I think it's like at this point it's like a dropped plot point is kind of where i'm at and so i would love for him to return but i have zero actual hope of that happening because it would involve a level of work like it's more complicated than being like oh i'd love to see rota the hut again
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah that would be fun but rota <laughs> the Hutt isn't suddenly you're having to call your dad and be like hey do you remember when you saw star wars in 1977 obi-wan has a baby now like yeah that's you that doesn't he, happen if rhoda wasn't
3: celibate was he wasn't celibate dad
4: yeah he got yeah, down exactly. i'm sorry he, he just really did. did you know i mean we knew that too like obi-wan is way too sexy for that not to yeah absolutely
3: <laughs> I, you know what just, and, and you know what he is he gonna is. like
4: no one puts that much effort into their hair and no. like isn't trying to get attention from people no, uh, that's not true. Not.
1: People put attention Luke to their- Luke might okay. Luke might get a little bit of attention for his hair. Uh yeah, because it's gray.
3: Uh, it's it, it's it's fairly gray. I feel like I so I was talking about this with somebody else and I was like I could pull I couldn't pull I could never do an Anakin cosplay, but I could do an Obi-Wan. Yeah. Just like an older I have the beard. I'd have to like put some I don't know what in it, but like Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It'd be a, like a whole work and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. But like I could see
1: me being Obi Wan for sure. Even though I am hey, a- Look, I have an idea. So like if, if when when we go to celebration, you can be oh, Obi Wan. But okay. at that time, I think that I think that Obi Wan Kenobi will be out. So what if I'm like like the slashed helmet Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader. <sighs>
3: That's fun. Do that. Work. That's a good idea. We will, we will see. We will, we shall see. We will discuss um, these matters later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll discuss these matters later. Um, so uh, getting back to the, the episode a little bit, um, I, I like talking about when Max says Obi-Wan caused trouble, like Ahsoka goes, Master Obi-Wan in trouble? No way. Like it's just like interesting to see, um, like it, it like the whole perspective of um just like Obi-Wan's thought as of, of of to being like uh the negotiator he doesn't cause any trouble like that's that yeah. that's not who
1: Obi-Wan is <laughs> yeah, he's at all a, he's the negotiator not an instigator <laughs> no yeah absolutely
3: um i want to i want to take a moment and uh shout out Brooke uh Hi, B- Brooke dazzler uh if you guys are looking for cool star wars merch anything like that oh i gotta get rid of the banner hold on here her comments in the way but that's my fault okay so uh if you guys want uh are looking for cool merch uh go check out uh far far away factory on etsy that's brooks uh etsy shop she has everything from shoes to t-shirts to jackets to earrings um you might even be able to get our podcast logo as a sticker uh sure. we're in the works of that uh so uh but yeah i I cannot recommend uh Brooke uh enough she does amazing work um so if you're looking for something from uh for somebody. We all know Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe you get your Star Wars girlfriend or boyfriend a new thing. Check out Far Far Away Factory. I cannot stress that enough. Um, but uh, what else? Let's look at the other things in the chat here. Uh, behind Bo, I guess that's the point. Uh, she she was in debt. Well, that's point. That's a that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um. That makes a good point.
1: Pat uh, Asher uh, "Too important to be a glupshito."
3: No, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Fern's yeah. right. Like, I, I feel like Corky is too important to be a glup. Yeah, shadow. like he,
1: he may be like a D tier character, but who he's connected to is so, it's like very important. No, yeah, absolutely.
4: Right, hence, hence the glupshito paradox. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Where it's like, yeah, I would love to just be excited to be like, wow, I can't wait to see Ryo Chuchi again. But like Ryo Chuchi doesn't suggest that oh, one I love of the Senator first Star Chuchi. Wars characters. Yeah, Ryo Chuchi is is great. So like um, Ollie at Ollie Fresh, one of the co-hosts of of RuPaul's Podrace. Um, I was talking to them about like their suggestion was that I find a new shadow. So um, I'm gonna be rebranding as a Terra Sanube stand. Stan. That's my, <laughs> my favorite character. Yes. yes let's go. Um. So, and the very very um, light
1: blue lightsabers. <laughs> Yes. Yeah,
4: I I just love that funky dinosaur. Anyway, I'm I'm back. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had to no, grab my good. migraine yeah. medication because
1: you know, you know,
3: life. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel well,
1: that. And speaking of Senator Chuchi, um, if you guys wanna after we're done here, if you wanna go watch our latest episode on uh, Sphere of Influence, that's hmm, gonna yeah. be. About Senator Chuchi and the people of Pandora. Uh, yeah, Pandora. Pantora. I was about to say Pandora. Yeah. Pandora. Yeah. So, if you want to go watch <laughs> our last Clone Wars arc review, it was about Sphere of Influence. Nope. Absolutely.
3: Um, so, uh, Ahsoka obviously is surprised to hear about Obi Wan causing trouble because he's a negotiator. He never usually gets in trouble, which is hilarious. Um, so then we get a shot of Ahsoka telling the kids, like, it. it they they start. She starts to have deeper conversations with with the. With the cadets and he she's like talking about how overthrow, how corruption can bring down a government from the inside and Mm -hmm. they're like well what are we supposed to do about corruption like are we supposed to call it out and ahsoka's like yes and no all that (laughs) she's like she's like yes and they're like well isn't that called treason and she's like not if it's a not if it's uh against mm-hmm. like it it's not against the government if it's in the be- in best interest of the people yeah which is a great line because mm-hmm. that's the rebel alliance that's the rebel alliance yeah. to a t mm-hmm, um yeah. so that's just that's just nice to see um so after yeah. the cadets get the idea from ahsoka they're like we're hungry we want to, like, go check out things at the docks. Like, let's do- go do mm-hmm. some of our investigating. Like, let's talk about that whole, like, incident. Like, they get themselves into trouble. Mm-hmm. And, like, Corky's, like, the head of it. Corky's like, okay, we could do mm-hmm. this. Like, we don't have to I do... I got the hollow recorder. We're ready yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. the holo recorder. We got this. Like, there's a meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, and... go get our- let's go get
1: our snacks. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> they're they're driven by food, which is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. It's a kid uh, thing. But... But, uh, <laughs> they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh go ahead and talk about uh that whole scenario.
4: Yeah. So um there's a so there's an upcoming um one of the books that was announced, a Padawan by Kirsten White is gonna be a like YA Obi-Wan book. Yes. I'm so excited for it. The description of it is that like Obi-Wan is supposed to go on this mission and Qui-Gon doesn't show up and he just leaves and goes anyway, and like There's this impulsiveness. So I was re-listening to Master and Apprentice recently because, and this is how you know I'm unwell, I needed to hear Obi-Wan's voice and I realized I could just watch the movies. but Like, (laughs) I specifically needed to hear 17-year-old Obi-Wan's voice. Like, it was a need that I had. And he's described by, like, either Pax or Ahara as, like, small, wiry, and curious. And I'm like, yeah. Like, that reminds me of someone. And I think, quirky in this episode, it's a mixture of, like, His desire to do good and a naivety where he like Mm -hmm. he implies things about the government of Mandalore in the way that he acts that are like very troubling because he says at one point like I've known Almec my whole life and I'm like okay so first of all that is okay this implies to me he's been like in the palace right on Mandalore involved in this government in the sense that like that's where he was raised that's what it says to me so does he understand what it's like to be a real person probably not two has Almic been prime minister for like 16 years yeah <laughs> like, yeah what? has he been like... prime minister since the end of the war um because it's clear that like they have elections so mm-hmm. has he been being reelected, or has he just been like on the council and also like was almec trying to like get into a situation where like he was on Corky's good side because he knew that like that was one of the potential future like leaders right Mm -hmm. so there's a lot here by the way that Corky's like like they didn't have to have a line where Corky said I've known him my whole life he always said to come talk to him if you had any questions because that implies Corky is like has been sheltered to an extent Mm -hmm. that is so interesting to me because he seems like shocked by the concept of greed (laughs) Like, he doesn't seem, yeah. he fundamentally is like, what are you talking about? Why would people do crimes? Like, he's so shocked by the concept, but um, immediately thinks that, like, he can just fix it. Because I'm imagining any problem he's ever had in the past, he's just like, well, I am a special boy, and you have to do what I tell you. And it's very funny for me to see him, like, encounter a real problem that he can't just fix by, like, a goodwill, Mm-hmm. Um and he gets immediately frustrated. He's like, "Well, Ahsoka, you're not my friend anymore because <laughs> you didn't <just laughs> yeah. immediately help me." Yeah. And it's just like a very extreme and um it gets mad at. It. It's a teen like he just does not handle uh, rejection well in this yeah. episode, and I think it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah. It, like it's so he's funny. Like, teens, my aunt's like my my aunt's like is acting like nothing's happening.
2: <laughs> yeah, just,
4: I like, need to. Fix she'll it help now. us, and then she doesn't help him. She's like she just thinks we're kids. Like he is just very much a teenager, and it's oh, yeah. so fun. Like I can mm-hmm. get why people are annoyed by it, but I just think it's hilarious because a lot of the teenagers we see in Star Wars are like soldiers.
5: Yes, or, like
4: you know, on these huge quests and Corky's like, I'm hungry and my aunt is being mean to me. And those are like <laughs> his big, those are his big problems in this episode. And he also, and and he
1: t- also doesn't like to get patronized. Oh, yeah. He's like, no. Yeah.
4: No. Yeah, he, well, like, that's what I find so interesting is like this desire to be like taken seriously. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity there um, because Ahsoka, again, is like, a, I think they could be good parallels in terms of like, I wish that was a friendship that we got to explore a little bit more, yeah, um because there's so much there in terms of like being given responsibility, wanting responsibility, and like having responsibility thrust upon you. yeah, and the idea of like having to be a Jedi commander as a child versus like being raised to rule a planet because of your blood or like there's just a lot there that I think is really interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. oh yeah, absolutely. Um. So they, him, and the friends go to the docks. They find a black market steal. They almost get caught because I can't mm-hmm. remember which character. If it's Corky or somebody else, like one of the kids is trying to leave and he kicks over a uh, like a box. Oh, it's Amos. Amos yeah, is the Amos. is
4: is the Ron Weasley of the group.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love how that you're is spot uh, on. You mentioned no, Harry that's Potter literally Hulk spot
4: on. Yeah. Absolutely spot on. Because yeah. and Almec is Harry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Omic is Snape. Snape. Porky is yes, Harry. Amos is Ron Weasley, and then uh, uh Suni and Lagos are yes. Hermione. Well, Suni is Hermione. Lagos
3: is like a fun. Ad- uh, yeah, I. Anyway, that's that's no, their. yeah, no, that's funny. No, that that's like straight up. But like they barely make it out. Um, they go to Satine. Satine suggests that the, that the cadets leave the investigating to the authorities to the grown-ups yeah leave it to yeah. the grown-ups and then he finally Corky goes you know what i'm gonna go to all mac and all mac being the sus master that he is <laughs> uh it's like hey uh let's have a meeting like uh like that's uh, nothing's gonna happen like i'm and
1: he's where like, all meeting in meeting extremely with suspicious children. like why would he have a meeting with a bunch of kids at night time like, yeah, isn't that yeah. very weird?
3: That's 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 kid that's kids come to my uh come to my uh, van kind of conversation yeah. Right well, there. and this yeah. is what
4: I mean about the the being naive, where Corky's but, like, but yeah, well, him. like, well, yeah, because I imagine like, do you think do you think Almek has ever like, like again like trying to like get on Corky's good side? But also, this is a very minor point. But if you go back and watch the episode when they go to Satine's apartment and um they like ring the doorbell and the door opens one of my favorite quirky moments is he does actually like the guard does not exist um he does not he like the guard is here and horky's like hi like he just completely <laughs> ignores the existence of this guard and just it's almost like he doesn't like he's like you're not even a
3: person like it is a great moment go back and watch it it's very funny (laughs) oh yeah i remember that i remember yeah yeah quirky should just just have been like i'm a little boy and i know how to scream and scream and scream and you and and get you in lots of trouble absolutely i feel like that's how uh that's how uh ahsoka feels like when they come back and tell ahsoka everything and ahsoka's like bro what are you doing hello
4: well it's just a difference in like their innocence levels it's crazy to me to imagine a mandalore where like children grew up in like corky is obviously a special case right where like he is probably among like one of the most privileged people but like he doesn't feel it. like he feels safe he feels like everything is gonna go okay like he trusts people around him um, and so, like, I assume that this is a sense of like uh, shelteredness yes. that he doesn't really know how bad things are. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka is directly on the front lines of how bad things are. And it shows like, because they are like roughly the same age yes, and they yet
3: are.
4: very different levels of like maturity in the sense that they have seen different. One of the, like, the Jedi Temple is nice, but Ahsoka's on the front lines of a war and Corky mm-hmm. was like in a Palace or at this fancy boarding school, right? So he has to grow up really quickly here and like realize how much danger he's actually in. And I think it's pretty sobering if you think about it that way. Yeah,
3: yeah. And Ahsoka, I'm pretty sure they come up to Ahsoka and they're like, "Hey, we're meeting with the prime minister," and she's like, "Uh, I don't that is know. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea." <laughs> but they go and do it anyway, of course. Yeah. And Ahsoka steps in and drives them away, and and. Uh, they they get the hollow recording and they're like let's analyze this a little bit more and then uh. they never
4: use that technology again. And yeah, yeah, broke.
1: that's what I was never. thinking of. Why yeah. did they use it before? Yeah, I, I just... don't
4: know. Sunni is magic, is what I've decided. It's like one of <laughs> yeah. the jokes among like quirky Kenobi, like truthers, and like Obatine stands. is like Sunni could have taken down Palpatine. If she if she if she wanted to, yeah. because she is like has the like, she's able to like do this technology stuff and it's like um or it's like she has this holo recording and then Ahsoka suddenly has this uh piece of technology and like so I choose to believe that Sunni actually gave that to Ahsoka and it's the only one that exists, and then it got broken somehow. So that's how I that's how I justify it. Just um, find a,
1: a find a separatist recording of Darth Sidious, use that. We save the All death. you have to do. <laughs>
4: It's yeah, the same thing on. with, like, Quinlan Voss just needed to go into Palpatine's office one time.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's Dark so disciple, true. Yeah. It's and, to like,
4: touch the desk and, like, be like, hmm, this is kind of suspicious. I wonder if Palpatine's up to anything. Touch literally any object in that room and figure it out.
3: No, yeah, absolutely. Um, so they obviously figure it out. Um, the cadets and Corky, uh, Corky uh, uh, Ahsoka. Good lord! What am I saying? I've got quirky Kenobi on the on the mind. Thanks, yeah. Julia. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so the cadets in Ahsoka discover that their surprised cloak figure from the warehouse is Almec himself. Um, all five of them rush to Aunt Satine to discover that she is missing. Um, and this is kind of where, when the shelteredness kind of turns into like a a worrisome thing for Corky Mm -hmm. because he's never really
7: had to deal with a situation
3: like this, whereas Ahsoka's like, huh, just another day at the office. Let's take care of this.
7: Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage, the kid's tuition, and all the other bills? In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses. Take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof.
2: Not how you would have done that. You know, sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA Annual Mileage Discount. USAA. Get a quote today.
3: Um. Yeah. And it's funny. Like it's 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 interesting because they're like, just they they ultimately turn to Ahsoka for leadership because she is mm-hmm. the one that has been in the in the front lines and has dealt with situations mm-hmm. like this, and uh they pretend that she has arrested the cadets and uh mm-hmm. they're voicing uh satine as a, as an as a culprit uh but yeah. almec obviously knows because he's already taken out satine he's already got mm-hmm. her in, in his grasp and uh almec uh is like are we sure are we sure that it was satine like mm-hmm. we have to make sure before we make a move like this and, and Ahsoka plays into his hand um and like, Almec leaves to prepare for a pu- public statement on behalf of, of Duchess. Mm-hmm. And like, Ahsoka enters the prison under the pretense of wanting to conduct an interrogation, informs the cadets about the changes to her inner plan via force mind trick. Um, and so she uses the mind trick a couple of times to mm-hmm. get down to Satine's cell, but like. Almick is like three steps ahead, and I hate it mm-hmm. because he's the worst. Uh, yeah. But like, this is the, like the ultimate like villain. Like he, hee hee. like like aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but like having like his officers not be able to be mind tricked mm-hmm. was pretty smart. Because, I mean, yeah. everything with Obi-Wan and, like, obviously Almec being with the black market, like, if somebody, if the Jedi show up, he, they, like, his people need to be aware of, like, what's going on.
1: Yeah, um, and the funny thing is, yeah. too, the moral of the episode is those who enforce the law must obey the law. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly what it means. Almec is the prime minister of Mandalore, and he's the one yeah. that's creating all of this this black market um, uh, inside schemes. And... <laughs> And right. it happens a lot. Like we're like people in political power just just mm-hmm. negate all the stuff that they mm-hmm. enforce, and they just it is create controversy. Yeah. And it's the and rules I just don't um, that, yeah know, don't apply just, to him. Mm-hmm.
3: No, yeah. And then he he ultimately they stun Ahsoka. They put her in binds, and then he starts going off on like, oh, I I finally got I finally got won this battle. Like this is mine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bro. You're dealing with a Jedi. Why mm-hmm. are you gloating? And then you also yeah. got Corky and like Satine is smart. Like all three, like Olmec mm-hmm. pulled the obviously I'll get you next time, my pretties, like move. Mm-hmm. But except he didn't get them, he got got. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that whole exchange between Olmec, Ahsoka, Satine, and then like <laughs> yeah. what happens afterwards?
4: Sure. So. Going back to when they're first going into the prison, speaking of my favorite little quirky moments, he does give a great performance where he's like, We trusted you, Master Todd, or like a uh, Tano Padawan Tano. Yeah. Uh-huh. like, I'm like, Okay, Corky, acting is not in your future, but I appreciate the effort <laughs> here. Um, he really gives it 110%. It's funny. He's like, Okay, Ahsoka is my friend. Ahsoka's not my friend. And then he goes back to like, Ahsoka is my friend. Like, very yeah. quickly, he's like, We just have to listen to her. Like, I trust her 100%. And I'm like, Okay. Um, you know you're very fickle uh, in your in your uh, friendships here, um, but it's it's yeah like Almec is just like great. I can't wait to torture these children. And it's he goes from like zero to a hundred very quickly.
3: Oh yeah, Um,
4: yeah. And he um one of my favorite my favorite line in this episode is when Almec says, "I'm afraid your nef- nephew will have to suffer needlessly." And I'm like, "Correct, that you're correct. That is the story of his life." Um, and I think it shows here where, like, this is another version of Satine where, like, yeah, you can torture her. You can do whatever you want. She is not going to
3: She's not gonna break
4: give in to your scheme, mm-hmm. right? And so the only thing that potentially, and I actually think this ties into the last episode, where, like, that children are in danger really is a, like, line that she finds upsetting to cross, which makes sense, right? Like, innocent children oh. being harmed. And she says when like the cadets are brought in, like they're children, like you can't do this. And so I think it's another good theme of like innocence where children like Ahsoka is a child too. But like she has lived a completely different experience where like, yeah, she's like, I could be a prisoner of war and like I could be tortured like that could happen. But Satine is like thinking about I'm sure she cares about the other children, like theoretically, but like she's worried (laughs) so quirky
5: yeah and
4: like um the idea of him being harmed is like the thing that might get her to break and obviously like ahsoka breaks out um and he gets put in the um in the prison like i love how the cell was also clearly designed for a jedi yes. and it's like i don't think i don't think you need this for people who are not jedi but it's yep. very extreme um so yeah. And then also at the end, Quirky's like, we never doubted you. And I'm like, you literally did. <laughs> yeah. You like it's, it's, you know, because like the thing where like Obi-Wan is just, uh, pardon my language, kind of bitchy sometimes. Yeah. And I like that Quirky has continued on the tradition of being like a bitch. Kind of, yeah, kind of bitchy sometimes where he's like, wow, you're <laughs> like, you're like not being nice to me at all. Um, and then at the end, he's like, actually, never mind. I love you. It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. And they have this really sweet hug. Um, I love how. Like physically affectionate Satine is to Corky. Mm-hmm. I think it's really sweet we don't see a lot of like hugging in the Clone Wars no. and so she does hug him a lot and I think that's really nice um, yeah I don't I don't know I, it's funny at the end that Satine is like this was my plan all along and I'm like yeah yeah mate, sure like I don't know that I buy that but I guess I will accept that that's true mm-hmm. if it's what you want me to want me to want me to think so no yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. Char, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean that that whole interaction with uh with uh, Corky and Satine. I thought it was really nice cuz we don't really see much of Satine as of right now in this in the show. We don't see much of just Corky and Corky and Satine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I just love the growth of like how Aunt Ahsoka trusts Corky and all of his friends. Mm-hmm and i think that's a really yeah. important part for her character cuz it's like you're not really supposed to trust anyone as a jedi but mm-hmm. you have to work in the means of what's best for everyone mm-hmm. around you and i think it's it's neat that she was like well these these kids have you know they know what they're doing i mean i guess mm-hmm. i mean why not at least like support them in what they're doing cuz mm-hmm. they they have an idea and they had leads mm-hmm. as to what was going on and you know, they they did it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought it was so I thought with when Corky had that um uh when he was about to get that collar on him, I was just like, gosh mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was freaking yeah. out. I'm like, why, 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 why? Yeah. Um I mean, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's like that whole last sequence was really good. I enjoyed yeah. that whole entire that last five minutes of the episode it was really good no yeah absolutely
3: and like it's i i also noted almec is a douche he would have fit in perfectly with the empire oh yeah oh he would have yeah he's a slime
4: ball i mean later you see like he's like yeah i'll do what i'll be your prime minister maul and you're like okay like i wonder if he had any if he ever had like real beliefs at some point and like he over time kind of became this way or he was always this way like part of me wants to think that Satine wouldn't have trusted him if he was always kind of obviously suspicious but um but yeah I I do love at the end of the episode when Corky's like it was honor to serve alongside a Jedi knight and I'm like wow this seems like you're building up for this character to like continue to like have relationships with jedi and like be a part of the story and then they're like absolutely not you'll never see him after season five Um, but i love that like he ends it with like being really happy that he got to have this experience working with the jedi and i just love when mandalorians and jedi get to work together um i Mm -hmm. think it's really it's it's sweet and i wish we got more of it um and i would love to see more of it in the future
3: oh yeah absolutely um speaking on the future of corky yeah. Where is he? What what impug- is he? <laughs> no, like what what specifically? Like which show do you think makes more sense for him to show up in Kenobi um, or Ahsoka?
4: So do you mean like physically show up, like, or like, like narratively?
3: Being- like narratively and physically, I guess I should say.
4: Um, so narratively, I actually think it's Mandalorian season three, um, as like if he's going to get referenced at all that's where we've already had references to Clan Cree's and the New Mandalorians and all of that. Um, I have made my pitch for uh, Dream Sequence, Corky, and Kenobi. That's my like ideal scenario, but I do not think he is going to show up at all. And I don't say this to be like a Debbie Downer. I say this because I can't have hope. It's like it's Hawkeye in, uh, in Endgame or whatever who's like, don't give me hope. Like, I, I don't give me hope, but I do think actually it's the Mandalorian that makes. Um, and um, question: How, oh. Am I still a robot? <laughs> yep, still a <No> no. robot.
1: <laughs> me and Luke were waiting patiently. We we're, we're, like, were like, we're like, ah, hold on,
3: uh, hold on. Her her mm-hmm. war with the with the, with the, with the with the robots. You're muted. You got it. You got it, Julia. Come on, come on. We'll manifest it. Um. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Did we fix it? Yeah, we fixed it. It was the, it was
4: the separatists. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah, as I was saying, I actually think the Mandalorian is is the more likely place for him to be mentioned, and then I would love to have a dream sequence situation in the Mandal uh, in Kenobi would be great. Um. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about Corky is like he could be anywhere, but he's nowhere. Um, So I actually think the Mandalorian is the strongest uh, contender at this point. But um, yeah, that and then maybe Kenobi next. But do
1: you think we could maybe see him in Andor? We
4: we could like I love Fulcrum Corky as a concept. I love Spy Corky when I think about like. The skills he shows in this episode like you could easily hone that into a spy right like Mm -hmm. i also think because he disappears from the timeline like if he is working in that in it in espionage like that makes sense um yeah so i would i would love that i also would love to see the conflict of like if he has decided to not work for mandalore but to, like work with the rebellion and like the conflict of like Bo being like no we need to fight for mandalore and Corky deciding that like no we need to fight for the whole galaxy um yeah, and that could be a really interesting conflict
3: no yeah absolutely uh but jar
1: it's your segment it's my time to shine all right yeah please. you guys ready yes all right ready Three interesting facts about a certain Clone Wars arc that you didn't know about until now. Part 11, The Corruption Arc. Fact 1, the name of the tea. The tea that was given in the green bottles that became the cause of the children being poisoned is called Ardis, which is the actual name of the beverage Obi-Wan drinks in Dexter's diner called Jawa Juice. Fact 2, the Mandalorian's guard's armor, or the Mandalorian guard's armor. The Mandalorian prison guards in the Academy episode have a crest on their shoulder that reads in defense of Mandalore. Fact three, the information behind Ahsoka. During Ahsoka's lecture to the class, there is a graph behind her that shows the increase of corruption-related crimes on Mandalore. And there you have it. Those are the three interesting facts about the corruption arc.
3: Bam. Right there. That's so fun.
1: Yep. I I
4: should have come prepared with three interesting facts about Corky. Um... (laughs) i've already mentioned some of my maybe favorite i'll make moments. it maybe i'll um, make
1: it in my uh my
5: videos <laughs> i
4: i like when he wants to touch ahsoka's lightsaber he jumps over the side yes. of their little speeder when they first arrive at the warehouse he does just launch himself over the side that's really <laughs> yeah, that's fun right. i like how he pushes ahsoka aside to enter the room when he thinks teen's in trouble i have a screenshot of that i can i can send you guys that's nice. really fun as a reaction image and then I, I like his little moment at the end where he's like, wow, it's really fun to like serve the Jedi. So I think he's <laughs> a funky little guy. I oh, think yeah. he's fun. Oh, yeah.
3: Absolutely. And um,
4: I want to see, I'm not saying I want to see, like the version of him we see is so hopeful and like idealistic and wants to do good. And like, mm-hmm. I got to see what's happening to him. I got to see how he's feeling about um, the world that, you know, exists after the fall. So, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Julia would like to see the baby. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to see the
4: baby. I want Please
1: to see the baby. Uh, Please. So where's my
3: son? <laughs> um, so, have you seen my son? No, somewhere on the, Concord Dawn. I don't know yeah. what he's doing. Um so yeah. now is the ranking of the episode or ranking of the complete arc. Um mm-hmm. so Youngling bad, Padawan, okay, Jedi Knight good, Jedi Master Great, Grand Master Chef's Kiss.
7: Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage, the kid's tuition, and all the other bills? In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's E-T-H-O-S life.com slash audio.
0: 18 plus um
3: i have yet to give a grandmaster i don't think anybody has given a grandmaster quite just um wait i think
1: there is um who do we have that one time i think it was was it aiden um wait i'm forgetting which arc was he on i think he was the one he was on geonosis
3: genosis i think i might have given that a chef's kiss to be honest i think he no gave it a- no i gave it a, I gave it i gave it a jedi master
4: i'm not but- sure
1: but um julia anyway. would you like to give your ranking of the episode? um
4: yeah i give this i give this okay well the arc as a whole um i i'm not sure the academy i give um a, a quirky out of quirky it gets it gets yeah, ten quirkies so, out of 40 yeah. So,
1: so <laughs> I can't, youngling I can't is obje- bad. One's okay, and Jedi Knight's good. Jedi Master's I, great. I can't.
4: And... I can't objectively give you a rating using your
1: scale,
3: um, because
4: <laughs> I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. By
3: corky. Yeah. Right next yeah. time, we're just we're just gonna make a make an asterisk
1: and be like, this corkies. one is four out of five quirkies Corgis. Yeah. Yeah.
4: How many quirkies Corgi um, cookies. So. Yeah. I like I, I do legitimately like have issues with Satine's characterization in these episodes. Mm-hmm. So that does affect it. And so I wish that she hadn't been nerfed um yeah. in order to get the desired response. So um I don't know. Like I can't really give you a sense of how I feel about them because I can't divorce it from like my very biased feelings about
3: um a certain special little guy. Oh that that, that makes sense. That's fair. That's fair to say. Uh, Char,
1: I give this episode or well this arc, I'd say I give it a Jedi Knight, um, or three out of five Corkies, uh, as what Julie <laughs> would say. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed um the Corruption episode. That was one of mm-hmm. my, I remember it being one of my most memorable episodes from the Clone Wars, and I just think because I've been a fan of smuggling in Star Wars, like mm-hmm. especially when it's behind the scenes of a, uh, a planet that's ha- that has peace and it's. And I just I, like I've always been a fan of Han Solo and like the smuggling mm-hmm. aspect of Star Wars. So the fact that they were secretly smuggling a, a poison, a poisonous chemical on mm-hmm. a pacifist planet that, you know, I just I love when there's um, yeah. black market schemes like that in Star Wars. And and for the Academy episode, I enjoyed Corky and I enjoyed Ahsoka's growth. And I loved how Almec was a very like intricate part of the arc. So um, I'd say I like the Corruption episode more than the Academy episode. No offense, Julia. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, I give this one a Jedi Knight. That is my final answer.
3: I would also give it a Jedi Knight as well. Um, But like, yeah, that's what I would give it. I I think I've Mm -hmm. made my, I think I've made my, and that's a three out of five quirkies. We're going to just start using yeah. that as a as a scale. Yeah. Now yeah. on. The yeah, scale. yeah, it's a good scale. It's a great scale. Um, For example,
4: the lawless, the lawless is five out hmm. of five corkys.
3: Yeah, five out of five quirkies. It's phenomenal. a yeah. chef's kiss. Um, let's get into Star Wars News. eerie i always find that eerie but you know what it works it is it is very eerie um so we got some news uh i don't i don't know if it's really like like if this is gonna happen but one of the actors on kenobi came out and said that they are working pretty extensively on the trailer um, I believe he is quoted as saying, it's going to be awesome. It's gonna be really, really cool having the connective tissue between the prequels and a new hope. Um, and just understanding where Obi Wan has been, what's happening story wise. I think fans are gonna going to enjoy that. It's just gonna mm-hmm. be a really great time. Uh Ross also came out and said, I think the big part of it is Lucasfilm is just trying to make sure. That it's as polished as possible, so that when it comes out, it's not going to have that Game of Thrones moment where there's a coffee cup in the corner that they missed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he finally says it's going to have a lot of love that poured in. That's poured into it, and it's just going to be hopefully. It's just going to hopefully blow people's minds and are and just really enjoy seeing
1: what's good. What's been going on? Well, not just the coffee cup thing. What what about that guy from? Um, I believe it was. About the the heiress episode, the jeans guy, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, are we see? This is my prediction. I still think we're going to get. I think we're going to get Kenobi at the beginning of April.
1: We could, like, uh, I, yeah, I. What if it like with the release of Lego Lego Star Wars the Skywalker Saga, we get that first sneak peek for Kenobi. I,
3: I, I mean, seriously think that like, it's going to be Super Bowl weekend. It's going to be Super Bowl weekend. I, think, because, I, I, because I, you I have, think so, too. Because you have Book um, of Boba Fett ending the week before that week. The
1: week of the Super Bowl Taking consideration of when Bad Batch is coming out. If it's going to come out on May 4th again. it did yeah, last yeah. Here's,
7: here's, here's, the, other here's the other thing. Moon Knight starts
1: when? Um, Moon Knight is... It's in March, right? Or is it yes. next month? End of March,
3: March thirtieth, okay. I believe.
1: <laughs> um,
3: okay. I just think it makes the most sense to drop a trailer then, because if if you're gonna do that, because it's only gonna be six episodes, that's what six weeks, and like Andor is going to be coming out from a, a release window of July to September. Are you gonna throw in Bad Batch? before kenobi or because i feel like there's going to be some interloping there there has to be
4: yeah um i i just i don't know that they're gonna have they i don't think they've had the marvel and the the star wars shows overlapping at all so that's (laughs) the thing that i'm wondering about Because if they're still only doing Wednesday nights for their premieres, what are are they gonna like?
3: For the love of well, they did it. Well, they did it with Loki and
4: Bad Batch. Yes. So I guess I don't know. That's the thing that I'm wondering about is they. But that was live one live action and one animated, and we don't. Bad Batch is the only animated show we have coming up. So I have no idea. I'm imagining how they're trying to like slot in everything, and it's yeah, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: yeah. I don't know. Um. So real quick, release of the back cover. Did everybody see that
1: of Queen's? Oh God! I was
3: like, I I think I messaged Camilla and I was like, uh, or I talked (laughs) to her in VC and I was like, uh, so the back cover comes with like the regular book. She's like, yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, love (laughs) me some Padme, and I cannot wait for that book, which hopefully we might be getting early, possibly. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on that book, even though I haven't read the first two books, which I know, Kamala, I need to read it, but like, I feel like it, it would be okay. Um, and then Lucasfilm releases, uh, Lucasfilm games and EA have three Star Wars games in the works. Obviously we know about Jedi Fallen Order 2, and there is a first person shooter game. I don't know if it's going to be Battlefront 3, but I mm. feel like it could be because the, Old, uh, the old head of the original two back in 2002 and 2005 is part of the company now. So I mean, maybe,
1: possibly. Well, you have to think like maybe. Battlefront Three isn't mainly FPS, so you have to keep to keep that, that in consideration that's too. That's true.
3: Um, and then to wrap it all up, thoughts on Book of Boba Fett as a whole, Julia. What what have you thought of the show so far?
4: Um. So it has been like I feel like it almost it seemed I almost wonder if it would have made more sense to do a more expanded season of the Mandalorian and give it like 22 episodes and have arcs like they did with the Clone Wars because it feels like in many ways the Boba Fett arc of the Mandalorian and like as incredible as this last episode was and I loved it it is if you know so, like, Doctor Who will do, like, Doctor Light episodes, but Doctor Who seasons have, like, twice as many episodes as Boba Fett has. And so, I think I, I, I definitely understand people's concerns with, like, they're really going to need to, like, make it make sense for the story as a whole to tie back into these last two episodes. Um, I think it's been successful in the sense that, like, I was not a huge fan of Boba Fett as a character, and now yeah. I am invested in his character. Same. That being said... This last episode really like blew it out of the water, but it was not really about it wasn't about Boba Fett, right? So I yeah. think it was it was just kind of a Mandalorian episode slotted in in here. And I know that Boba Fett is a direct spin-off. It just seems like separating it as like its own show at this point. I I, you know, committing to that in the way mm-hmm. that like I feel like Andor is going to be distinct, Kenobi is going to be distinct, the Bad Batch is distinct. And I wish it was more its own thing. That and I sense. felt like the the best moments of the show have been when it was doing its own thing. Um, that being said, I absolutely, you know, I loved the last episode. It was traumatizing as hell. And I'm still like processing it. Mm-hmm. But as a Mandalorian enjoyer, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm eating it up. I would like to see Boba Fett think of, like, I would like to see him. Like even if he doesn't really care about Mandalore, I want to. I want to see that, right? Like I want to see him. I hope he and didn't talk about that. I guess is is what I'm saying.
3: That makes sense, and but I mean the last yeah. interaction they had about Mandalore, he said, "Mandalore, the Empire turned into glass. Why would you want to go there?" Yeah. So, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I'm kind of with Julia. Like there, like Boba Fett wasn't my favorite character, mm-hmm. and it's really
1: really turned out well so jar your thoughts yeah it's a weird it's a weird concept to think that that last episode was all about the mandalorian but it was a book of boba fett episode so in my mm-hmm. eyes it was a great episode but it was filler you have to, you have to keep that in mind like it's a whole yeah. setup to what's going to happen with this episode six um right i just think that it was a good episode like it just gave us a lot of context as to what Mm -hmm. Din's doing and what mandalorian season three is gonna look like yeah and like he got his new ship he got all this new stuff that he's doing um but you also have to keep in mind that it is the book of boba fett so i saw yeah i saw it as mainly filler but it was a beautiful episode
3: yeah Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like a filler episode like like, that's that's the weird thing though it was a weird thing
1: though it was a it was a filler but it was like a good filler. A filler as if like it's not really it doesn't feel like the book of Boba Fed, but it yes. was filler as like this guy is back in action yeah. and now we mm-hmm. got a little bit of a a, ref- a refresh, a reset on who Din Djarin yeah. is. And we haven't seen him since December of last year and no, we're yeah. trying to get him Absolutely. again so. Yep. And I kind of agree I kind of understand where Brooks coming
3: up for Kenobi. but Yeah. Um guys that's going to be an episode uh julia thank you for coming back on of course i appreciate it and talking talking <laughs> always about, your boy. To talk about my boy yeah, yeah talk about your boy um where can the good people follow you on the social medias
4: um i'm on tiktok at mm-hmm. julia christine 77 and i do a podcast star wars english class with fern oh, at always fern um yeah so that's that's kind of what i've been doing um that's it. I have decided that Twitter is a toxic um, landscape that I am no longer uh, participating in. So you can come hang out on TikTok. Also, my dog has an Instagram. So like if you want to follow you Buster, go. Car- yeah, Buster Cairn, um, you can and you probably will have fun with that. But oh, yeah, Julia Christine 77 on TikTok, Star Wars English class. Uh, I think listen to our episodes on point of view and perspective. I think that would be those would be ones I would recommend at this point
3: yeah absolutely absolutely um and uh we are definitely going to have julia as a uh as as a possible regular for the round tables for kenobi because i feel like i'm gonna need an emotional support group for that and i'm expecting
4: to be very busy during that show releasing and i'm okay with that
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely char where can the good people follow you good people you can find me on tiktok at char char j and you can find me here on the pod ones podcast every wednesday morning for our book of boba fett watch alongs every thursday night with what we're doing right now our clone wars arc review and every friday night for the round table of this week's book of boba fett episode
3: and you can follow me at the pod ones podcast uh at pod ones on twitter and at the pod ones pod on instagram uh for everyone here uh thanks for everybody coming uh that is here in the chat we appreciate you uh and for lighting for life we and all may the force the be with you
1: oh you beat me always. to it and may the force be with you always <laughs> see you guys
6: with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
7: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
6: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time